Welcome to the Art of Intention podcast with Beth and Ayla, two best friends turned creative entrepreneurs. This is a place for us to discuss everything business, friendships, and faith, and occasionally more. We're so excited for today's episode. We think you're going to love it. Stay tuned. Hello, hello, and happy Monday. We hope you guys are having a great start to your week. It's uh, It's been a crazy couple of weeks over here for Beth yeah. and I, but we're doing good. Beth, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Like you just said, it's been a little bit while the last couple of weeks, but nothing we can't handle, right? Nothing we aren't prepared for. It's been my busy season, as you know. Totally. Yeah, um, yeah been busy. I've been super excited because I've had actually a lot of like sessions that were a little unique, you know, some underwater sessions lately. And I'm actually going <gasps> to yes. be, yeah. So anybody who's listening to the podcast right now, you get a little bit of a, uh, uh, what is it? Like an inside scoop? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to be doing a, a giveaway for an underwater session in the next couple oh. of days. So Ooh. excited about that. But yeah, other than that, life is just just good. What about you? I know you've been doing some exciting stuff. Why yeah. Well, first off, I'll just say if you guys don't follow Beth on Instagram yet, you're crazy town, but go follow her and look at specifically the underwater work she's been doing. It's oh, insane. What? Absolute, oh like beyond professional level, like everyone fly to Oahu and do it right now oh, <laughs> and just oh go <laughs> it's been it's been really cool oh. to see you. I haven't gotten to tell you this in person yet but like it's been so cool that's like animal documentary level photography <laughs> that you're doing thank so you. thank you so much <laughs> but yeah oh yeah Yay. but life's life's been good I just got back from a couple weeks of traveling which was so oh. fun I it's been so long since I've gotten to fly and Chris and I actually mm-hmm. got to travel together which we haven't gotten to do very much so uh right. beginning of August we flew down to the states and we got to go to one of our best friend's weddings in Idaho and we stayed oh, in wow. Boise which was a new city for both Chris and I to stay in and we loved it it was like oh. It was a really nice little city. I really liked it. Any Boise listeners, I like your city a lot. It was really fun. (laughs) Um, We got to stay in the nicest Airbnb that was like walking distance from downtown Boise and just explored and stuff. And I got to go to our friend's wedding. And then we flew over to my hometown in California to see my family for like a little over a week. So yeah, it was it was so nice. Just lake days, river days, a little bit of shopping. So we got back from that. A little over a week ago so it's just kind of been coming back down to real life back into my season but it's actually been nice I was incredibly busy before we left and I was prepared for that to like kick back in but a lot of the people I work for are actually like also on their holiday so it's been nice like it's been a nice slow way back in my season but yeah that's nice. pretty much what I've been up to that's awesome I love that yeah you shared a little bit of that on Instagram and it was so fun seeing you know seeing a little bit of insight into that trip. It looks so cool. And I love that that was a new place for both of you. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I loved, you shared some of that on your business page, right? I did actually. Yeah. I did it in my stories. I just like kind of photo dumped in my stories because I've been trying to, I mean, (laughs) I haven't been doing the best because again, I've been like almost too busy to post, but I'm trying Mm -hmm. to share more of like, because I have my personal Instagram and I have my business one and I'm trying to kind of like meld the two a bit more and just share some more like for fun stuff that I do in my day to day on my business page and do more like personal branding that way. So yeah, I shared, I, I shared the trip more on there than I did even on like my personal. So that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. And a lot of like, yeah, photographers 
who followed me were like, this looks fun. And I was like, oh, I should really be like engaging with these followers more. So yeah, I did do that. <laughs> I know. I love that. And I was going to say for any of you who aren't following Ayla, you're missing out. That was so cool. <sighs> you should definitely do more of that. That was so cool. Like Ooh. I love the glimpses inside of that connected with your business. So. Oh, Anyways. that's good to know. That's good to know. Well, cool. Thanks for hanging out during our catch up. <laughs> Beth and I, again, we've been so busy the last little bit. I feel like we, we call you know, at least a few times a month to podcast, but we don't actually exactly. get to like catch up much on life. So <laughs> you all have to just do that with us. But yes. I guess we'll go ahead and dive into what today's topic is about. I'm really excited about it. I was thinking about a topic for this week and I got an idea that I realized Beth and I both made big moves in our lifetimes and we both moved away far away actually from our hometown and we haven't really talked about it on the show yet. So I thought that could be kind of fun. Yeah, as you all probably know, we both grew up in a small town in Northern California, and now I live on the island of Oahu, and Ayla lives in Canada. We wanted to sit down and talk about the biggest lessons we've learned during our moves and actually just kind of share our experiences during the move. Yeah, for sure. We'll preface this by saying, and I'll get into this even more as I'll be talking about like international moving, but... This episode will be interesting because we're not necessarily giving you advice, like telling you yeah. what to do if you're experiencing um, a new state or a new country move, because moves like that can and will look different for everybody. So we're just kind of here to share what our moves look like and the lessons that we learned and what we would personally apply if we ever had to do the experience again. These are our own experiences and we are by no means giving legal or concrete advice. If you move states or countries, your experience will definitely be different than ours yes very very true and honestly we're just kind of I guess you'd say then reminiscing today and hoping that there's some tidbits that may help you at least know what to expect when you're making a big move because honestly when I was doing this if I had a podcast episode to listen to before I did it it would have been really helpful so there's definitely some advice to take you from what we have to share or for you to take from what we have to share. But just remember to do your own research when dealing with any legal aspects of your move, like buying a new house, any paperwork, you know, anything like that. And as always, if you have a moving story or a piece of advice, whether you move down the block or around the world, we always want to continue the conversation. So definitely message us, email us, whatever. And maybe we can figure out how to feature your move, you know, your moving experience on our Instagram or in a future episode. Yeah, for sure. We're so excited to jump into it. And we've actually got a quick and kind of important community news update for you. So we're going to shoot over to that real quick. Okay, so we have a final update on Maui, at least for now. We weren't originally planning on doing any update on Maui today, but there is something we feel we need to say really quickly about the controversy surrounding whether or not you should be visiting Maui. Long story short, okay, there has always been and honestly always will be a small subset of people who never wanted Hawaii to have any visitors. Those are the folks who are saying don't come. Let me be clear on this because my local native Hawaiian friends are losing their jobs and they can't pay their bills because Mm -hmm. of what's happening. Lahaina and West Maui are closed. They're closed, but the entire rest of the island of Maui is open and it's begging for tourists to come. This is per the locals I speak with, my friends over there, the local pages I follow, per the news, and it's per the official statement released by the Maui governor. And for any of you who are confused about this, okay, here's why. If you were fooled by the statement of, quote, we don't want to come because we don't want to take up resources from those who are displaced and those who are helping them. Well, okay, here's the truth. Maui is the one island in Hawaii that has over 80% of its income from tourism. It is the biggest tourism-dependent island in all of Hawaii. 
The majority of people deciding to cancel their Maui trips in the last couple of weeks and for the next couple of months has led to massive layoffs. For example, a local diving company had to lay off 40% of their staff the other day, 40% oh because of the hit they took from this. This is causing basically 2.0 or COVID 2.0 on Maui. And here's what the end result would be. If tourists cut off Maui, cold turkey, people will lose their jobs. And if they don't have their jobs, they don't have money. If they don't have money, they can't keep supporting their friends and families who are displaced, period, done. Stop believing the random TikToks that you saw that are people just trying to make statement, cultural statements about Hawaii and like get, you know, views from that. It does not help anything. They're harmful lies and they're not going to heal those who are hurting. Maui needs respectful, emphasis on respectful, respectful mm -hmm. visitors. A Maui photographer that I follow and kind of know through a friend of a friend. She goes by Salty mm -hmm. K, Salty oh, K-E-A yeah, yeah. on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She's been sharing updates to this as well. She's been like personally going to drop off donations to Lahaina the best she can. Like from mm -hmm. the beginning, she was like mm -hmm. up in there, like sending donations like she could. She recently shared actually on her stories yesterday. It's gone now. But yesterday on her story shared about how Maui is officially open other than Lahaina. The rest of it is open yep. and available for you to visit and it's encouraged. Alaskan Airlines is offering 40% off your next flight That's to right. Maui from now through October 18th of 2023 so that you can support local businesses. That's what um, Alaska Air specifically is saying. They're offering yeah. lower flights so that you, lower price flights so that you can go support businesses. United Airlines is doing the same. And right now, one-way trips to Maui are about like $100 to $148. Round trip, about $200 to $270. Yeah. So the airlines are all which is shocking for airlines, honestly, because <laughs> they, yep. they they don't like to lose any money, but they are offering discounted flights with the yeah, intention so specifically important. of people helping to go re-stimulate the economy. So thanks to that photographer for sharing that. And yeah, and thanks, Beth, again, for just continuing to look into this, continuing to just hear both sides and be willing to deliver the facts that, yeah, Maui needs needs us more than ever right now. Cool. So let's let's jump into it, I guess. Beth and I are just going to kind of tag team. Like I said, we're just going through the main just lessons that we learned when making our big moves. Mm -hmm. Some of these are like kind of big stuff, like more obvious. And then just some like little I kind of by the end just started remembering little random things from from my move. So I guess I'll make my first couple points and then we can shoot over to you. Sounds good. So for me, like Beth mentioned in the beginning, I'm talking primarily about moving countries. I moved from California to Canada in 2021. And with that, okay, here's the thing. With that came the entire immigration process. And I've debated breaking down the immigration process on the podcast before, like as its own episode. Um, but that topic honestly can get a little boring <laughs> when you break it down. Like it's just a lot of paperwork and like legal aspects. So I'll just briefly summarize it here today. But I want to focus on other aspects of making an international move beyond just immigration, as immigration has a lot of legal factors that, like I said in my disclaimer, may look different for everybody who moves countries. So I'll just like list a couple things quickly specific to immigration, and then I can move on <laughs> like from immigration because I want to acknowledge that's a big part of it. But there's way more things that come with like moving countries than just the immigration process as that's kind of like its whole its whole own thing so I'll just jump into those real quickly yeah. but uh so I know I may sound like a broken record but when talking about immigration specifically the main lesson that I learned like number one takeaway and advice I really took to heart through the whole process was do not rely on the advice or experience of others when going into the immigration process. If by any chance there's people listening about to hop into it, I'm about to share my story. You will likely hear many other immigration stories. 
And the reason I like hearing other people's experience is kind of like a morale boost and just like hearing that other people have gone through what you've gone through, but it's not to take what they did step by step. Um, so oh. I'm kind of like, yeah, like I'm kind of sharing my moving story for fun here. But when it came to any legal documents I filled out or anything like that, international immigration really, truly varies person to person. And you wouldn't think wow. it would with like such a sure process. But um, I'll explain kind of in my next tip why this is the case, like why it is so person to person. Chris and I know at least four other Canadian and American couples, along with even more international couples, just because of our times um, doing YWAM, which is a, just international. There's a lot of people from all over the world all together, and they often get married. So you meet a lot of international couples. So we heard lots of immigration stories, which, like I said, were helpful in certain ways. But each story was definitely different. Out of all the Canadian-American couples I know, each of their four experiences looked different from ours and different from each other's based off like wow. how long their wait times were, what forms they had to fill out. Chris and I had to do immigration during COVID. Some people didn't. So like all kinds of factors. But like I said, these stories helped in camaraderie. It helped me not feel so alone in navigating it. So I took that advice I took some things from it, just in a sense of like not feeling so alone, feeling like I had a friend in the process. But when you're actually going through the process yourself, don't be like, well, they said it should be like this, this and this. Just focus on what's in front of you. Right, right. And kind of with that point, the second main thing I learned that's immigration specific is to this is the one piece of advice like that I'm actually like, this is advice. Do this is lawyer up, <laughs> uh, lawyer oh. up now. Oh. We didn't hire immigration lawyers, and I'll explain why in a sec. You can like hire people to essentially go through the entire process step by step with you so that you don't really have to do anything like they kind of take care of it. We didn't do that, but we did consult with one immigration lawyer in the beginning of the process, and we just went to him for consultations that we did pay for. He laid right. out the process so well in just a couple of meetings. It was just Chris and I going to talk to this one person in an office. I only met with him one time and then Chris met with him one other time. So it was basically like two meetings with a lawyer that we did. And again, not saying that that's the experience that'll work for you, but I'm saying, you know, get professional help in some way because he actually encouraged us to utilize that first piece of advice that I mes mentioned, don't take everybody else's advice. He explained that there's so many different kinds of paperwork that you never know what another couple filled out versus what you filled out. Like a very quick example of this is while you're waiting for your residency to kick in, you can have in Canada processing or out of Canada processing. Out of Canada processing lets you leave the country as you want. In Canada means you have to stay there. Chris and I did out of Canada processing, but we had friends who did in Canada. So obviously their experience, and we didn't even know about that right. option until we had started the process. So like... There's oh, just wow. like, depending on how you start the process, it can change so much. So that's why he's like, don't listen to what anybody else did. Like, just look at the papers in front of you and, and do it like that. He also told us we could hire a team of lawyers to go through the process with us, but it would have cost us thousands of dollars. I think minimum was like $6,000 for that. And he was like, because of oh you God. guys, like your case is so simple. You don't have any kids. English is your first language. You're not moving. You're not trying to be like refugees or anything like that. Your case is so simple. You really shouldn't need a team of lawyers. So he just gave us the beginning stepping stones. We set up a couple meetings that, like I said, we did pay for to ask any quick questions. And that got us started. And I don't know what we would have done without that. So like I said, that's like the one main piece of advice I'll say is seek out some kind of professional help. We had friends who were gifted immigration lawyers and 
their process again is going to look different, but definitely some legal help in some way. And then the last piece that's immigration specific, the process takes time. Be prepared to learn patience in a way you've never understood before. It takes time. It was about a year from when I mailed in my application to when I realized I was approved. And then a couple weeks after that, I actually got my physical like permanent residency card. That's basically like an ID. So, but the kicker was we mailed off my residency application and we didn't hear a peep for six months. We didn't hear anything. We didn't even know if the package had successfully arrived at the proper office. Like (gasps) we, I mean, so insider information, it was about $1,200 to, that we had to include with this application as like the processing fee. Oh my gosh. So we like ensured that package, like we got tracking on it. We made sure it had to be signed for. So we knew through tracking that it had arrived, but through the government of Canada, we never like got confirmation. So it was just yep. silent. We it was just so out, it was in the Lord's hands for well the entire time, but for six months. And finally, after six months, we were notified that our package had arrived at the office like a week after we had mailed it. Like it went straight there, <gasps> but you know. And then from there, oh. it just kind of goes from desk to desk, wherever, until finally you start hearing some news about it. So just be prepared to wait. And honestly, don't expect a five star customer service experience from immigration offices. It was not easy to get updates to my application. I never talked to a single person on the phone. It's it's very hard to get extra help, which is why I go back to the point of getting like an outsider lawyer or somebody who can be available to help you because you, you, you this is speaking for the government of Canada. You will not get any extra help from them. You're kind of flying solo. So yeah, I just had to really leave it up in God's hands. But overall, a lesson that I learned from immigration specifically is Chris and I really learned a lot in that time. And we were navigating this process over FaceTime while doing long distance in the first year of our marriage. I think we'd been married around seven or eight months when we started the process. And like I said, like over the phone, sometimes like finding just old papers, like vaccine histories, birth certificates, whatever, and just compiling it all. So it really taught us how to communicate, stay organized and to trust each other. So by the end of our first year of marriage, we had dealt with a lot together and it gave us an amazing starting point, an amazing foundation that really like benefited our marriage in every way. Mm -hmm. So as much of a pain as the immigration process was, I wouldn't trade it because it it gave us a really strong start that I think is kind of just unique to couples who've had to deal with that. So I feel really lucky that we got to like yeah. navigate something kind of hard together exactly, and do it well. So that was like my first little lesson within like immigration specific. I love that. That's awesome. And so much. That's just got to be so stressful. Uh, yeah. It. Looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, we just did it. But I remember in the moment, like I could go into so many little things that we had to have ready. Immigrating when you're married does not work like the movies make it sound. You don't get to just move and show up when you're married. Like Chris and I were already married when I was applying. And because there's been such a history of people getting green card marriages, so they like get married, move, and then divorce. Now there's so many things put in place to where that can't happen. So you have to save every piece of proof of your relationship. We printed out and saved like we took, we were intentional about taking so many photos in our first couple months of being married. So we could be like, Oh, date at this place, date at this place to show we had spent some time together. And we each had to like write where the location was, what we were doing and sign that we are both in the photo. And we sent in about 40 photos documenting that. I screenshotted texts between Chris and I, I screenshotted comments, congratulating us on being, 
beginning dating and beginning marriage on Facebook, yep. validating proof that other people knew our relationship. Yep. And then you compile all that printed out sign that it's all there. And like, that was just like some of the stuff. But yeah, anyway. And so that's some of the stuff we were doing together was like, do you have this photo? Do you have this? And can I had to mail my half of the package up to Chris for him to sign. And then he added right. his half to the package, which then was sent to like the government. Oh. Like it was just crazy. So That's yeah, crazy. anyway, crazy. Happy it's done. Happy we did it. Learned a lot. But um, if you're signing up for that process, just know you're signing up for a lot, a difficult road. It's not impossible, but they definitely don't make it easy on you, but you'll get through it and it's yeah. going to be okay. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. But yeah, so that was kind of like the tidbits on immigration specifically. If that fascinates anybody, I can talk more about it. I could get Chris mm-hmm. on to maybe like talk a bit more about it. But again, yeah. it'll look so different person to person. But I love hearing we actually got to hang out with some friends just now when we were in Idaho who are also a Canadian-American couple. They just did uh, the husband moved to Canada first and then they actually just moved back to the U.S. So each of them have like done the process. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny talking to them about like, did you guys hear anything when you mailed your package off? No, we didn't hear anything. Like, it's just funny. <laughs> just joke about it. But yeah. but yeah, so that was like the buildup. And then this point, like I said, Chris and I had to do long distance because we didn't have a visa to be in either country. So we would just like go back and forth for a couple months at, at the time. So my move going into my actual move was a little funny because we didn't know if it was going to be an official move or not. My residency wasn't finalized. So... It was essentially just like one of my visits up to Chris. Like I said, we'd visit for a month or two at a time and then go back. So it's like sometimes we were together, sometimes we were separated. And so it was just one of my visits up. I had a good feeling that my residency was going to come through, but I could not move. It would not have worked for me to try to move things, actual things across the border. It was also... We did a lot of COVID travel, which was really, yeah. ner- like, it made me really nervous, not for getting sick reasons, but because no one wanted us to be traveling then. So we had to, like, yes. constantly carry, like, paperwork and stuff that um, allowed us to be able to cross the borders to see each other. So it was, like, peak COVID time. I wasn't officially moving up there, so I only could really bring some stuff. Uh, like I said, I had a hunch that my residency would come through, but I couldn't be sure. So I had to book, like, a round trip. To potentially have to leave in case my residency didn't come through by a certain time. So I basically just packed like my clothes, like 70% of my stuff is still in California. (laughs) I basically packed my clothes, some of my artwork, and then just a couple little trinkets like mugs and stuff just in case I ended up staying like the really important things that I wanted with me. And that was my move. Like I ended up landing and actually about two weeks after I landed my residency, basically came through and we finished out the process. So technically, if I had waited like a couple more weeks, I might have been able to actually like drive my stuff up or something. But you know, here we are. Yeah. So like most of my stuff is still in California. I grab little bits of it every time that we go back. I just like grab a little bit more and more. It's actually funny because we'd go to buy random things for our apartment. Like Chris really wanted to get like whisks for cooking. And I was like, I have whisks in California. And he was like, that doesn't help me. And I was like, but we can't buy them again. I have some. So like one of the times I flew back down, I grabbed just like kitchen appliances to bring back so that we didn't have to. But yeah, so that was the actual move. Like I said, we've, we've always planned on taking a road trip back down to California to get kind of the rest of everything. But we just, you know, it's, I've lived up here for like two years and we just haven't done that yet actually about two years almost to the date that we're recording this I've been up here so wow 
So yeah, that was like kind of some of the move. Yeah. So then kind of getting into my first couple weeks, actually living in Canada, finalizing my residency was a whole thing. Again, it was so many emails and paperwork. Like they announced basically that I had been approved, but then there was still a lot of other things I had to do (laughs) to like finish that. But like, let's go. I got my card in the mail. Woohoo, resident. So now I can officially get a job. Chris and I can move out because we were staying with his parents at the time. So then there was like things to start. And lesson number one, if you move to a new country, your first few weeks are just paperwork. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you can probably get this even moving states. And okay, it's it's annoying because it kind of goes in a circle. But basically, you have to you have to start over as a brand new person. So I needed the Canadian equivalent of a social security number. It's called a social insurance number up here. But same thing a bank account. Yep. I needed to change my driver's license. I needed a new mailing address, yep. a new phone plan, yep. everything. And it's very circular. Beth, I saw that you were going to touch on this later, but yeah. you need, okay. I think I was able to get my social insurance number right away with my permanent residency card like that. I was able to just go get, I think I needed to have my birth certificate or something. I don't remember the actual papers, but probably yeah. my birth certificate to get that. Then I wanted to get a job, but I needed a bank account. So I go to the bank to get a bank account and they're like, oh, well, you need to be, I think, like a resident of Saskatchewan. So you're going to need to change your driver's license. So I go to change my driver's license, but then I need two forms of it that I have a residential address, but I've just moved here. I don't have that. So I needed to like have a bill that was not a phone bill. I needed to have like a bill and one other thing. I don't even remember what it was anymore, but like one other thing verifying my address. And so I what did I do? I don't even remember. I th- oh, I think I needed a bank account. So I go back to the bank and they're like, but you need a license. And I was like, but listen, like I literally told the guy, I was like, I told the guy, I was like, listen to me. I need this to look at this. And like, I almost like broke down to this guy. Cause like I told yeah. the story quickly, but it had been more serious. Like I, I tried to start like a few things here and they kept sending me to right. the other person that I needed it right. from and finally the bank was able to like let me open an account and then I got my first statement which was a piece of mail that I needed and then I was able to get a job which I got a first paycheck which then let me change my driver's license because I had the address isn't this fun you guys so that it's was ridiculous. my first like three weeks yeah but I don't know if you have more to say I- on it but yeah <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, I love what you were saying about here. Like, I almost just broke down because those were the moments that I noticed. And let me know if you did, too. That broke me. And, like, sounds like maybe you, too, or almost broke me because they weren't expected. Like, there were these little things you forgot you had to do. And then all of a sudden you're running around in circles and everyone's telling you you can't, but that you need to. You need to go do that other thing, but they've already pushed you away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Changing my name was easier because you can literally Google the order to change your name in. But I feel like there's no list of like when you move somewhere new. It's just like – No, there's not good lists because it's different for so many people. And depending on where you move, it's different. Like if you move from like California to Nevada, it's different than like from California to Hawaii and it's different than like California to Canada. Like it's so different that – you just never know. And also depending on who you are, if you're self-employed or if you have a job, it just, everything's so different. So there's no like good lists. Yeah. It's true. Anyways. Well, it's true. And then to be able to operate my business, my photo editing business, because I actually started that in the States. I had to move all that to Canada. Yeah. So that was like, please. it actually, it wasn't too bad, but I did. Yeah. Like have to go sit at the bank again to start Mm -hmm. that up. And I think actually I had to tell my boss too, because she needed something and I Oh, she needed my license number. And I was like, I'm about to 
change my license and like I just yeah. well, and she was like okay wow don't worry about it <laughs> they're like never mind whoa oh, and I think like getting my license changed was the biggest thing and they were like yeah really? we, we, need, we need two pieces of paperwork that show that you're a resident of Saskatchewan so I go acquire those things I come back and then oh, Chris knows the name of this document but I don't she basically told me she needed something else from me after I've taken like three weeks gone and like gotten these other forms of paperwork then I come back and she's like oh I also need I think it's it's called like a DAR or something like that it's basically like an accident report or something and she was like I need this and I was like I don't have that and she was like oh well I do and I was like not to be rude but I came here three weeks ago and you literally gave me like the paperwork that I needed and I went and acquired that and I'm back now and you didn't tell me this and then she like does some typing and she's like oh just kidding like you actually don't need that it's fine and I was like that's what I thought like and I'm so I'm so non-confrontational like I'm so polite to everyone I was done by like this has been like a year-long immigration process and then this lady at at SGI which is basically the DMV is trying to tell me that I need something she didn't say absolutely it takes absolutely not it takes a lot to get you even like just impatient with strangers like you just don't get that way so that is yeah you were pushed to your limits there but yeah so that seems like all across the board whether you move internationally or within states just be prepared for yet some unexpected paperwork I had no idea it was a little while before I started working because like we just need and Chris took a lot of days off too to help me just drive around the city and just and just navigate it yeah which I was really thankful for moving to a city in that time because I'm from a pretty rural town with not a lot of government offices around and it would have it could have been a lot harder Luckily, our city, this city is actually a big immigration city. Like, it's a big melting pot. There's people from all over the world here. So they're luckily very helpful in figuring this stuff out. I think somewhere like my more rural hometown would have been a bit harder. So I was thankful that we were just in the city at that point. Because we did lots of, like, physical driving around to different offices to, like, figure all this stuff out. But, yeah. So that was kind of, like, the first couple weeks. And then after that, just kind of jumped into life. As normal, I got my first job just at a little cafe in the town. Um, And the next lesson I kind of came across with this that I'm actually still kind of living out is um, it's okay if it takes a while to find a routine. You're in a completely new place and you're learning where you have to drive every day, the best places to shop, the best grocery store close to you, the one that has like the best prices or whatever that you usually are so used to if you live in the same place for a long time. It took Chris and I like a minimum of like a good year to really settle into routine. Also because we lived with his parents for a while and then moved into our apartment. So it was like another move to a different end of the city again. And so actually just this year, Chris and I really got our routine down pat. Like we got serious about how often we were going to cook at home, how often we were going to get into the gym. Like we do this every day, this on the weekends. And this year really started to feel like home. So it can take, so almost like two years for a move that big, especially because I was raised in like the same place. Like my family didn't move a lot growing up. So it was really new for me. So basically, yeah, your routine and settling in can take some time and that's okay. That's at least what I found. Maybe, maybe you might move somewhere and just, you're like, good to go. Here we are. But for me, it took some time. And like this year really actually feels like this is my home and I know what's going on. So, so don't worry if it takes some time and not like in a sad way, but it just like our city always just felt so new to me until like the last six months or so. And then I was like, okay, I know what's going on. I know where things are. 
And with that, yeah. something else I didn't expect was I was terrified to drive in our city when I first got here. I don't know if I ever told you this. I was no. terrified to drive when I first got here. Chris would drive us everywhere when I visited. I did not drive. And he would actually start to like teach me because it's also just city driving like different yeah. from where I grew up. So yeah. he started training me and being like, watch, this guy's going to cut us off. And then the guy would cut us off Ooh. or whatever. Like, so just <gasps> learning some of that stuff. It Dude. terrified me. I was so scared I was going to get into an accident here. And yeah. I didn't realize this until I looked back. But the first couple months I was of living here, I was very like high strung and anxious, which was weird. Like I thought I'd be super celebrating that my residency finally came through. I finally got to live where I wanted to live. But I was like really nervous most of the time. And I realized it's because I was uncomfortable driving. And wow. And I love driving. It's my me time. I played my music. I sing loudly. I've always loved getting to drive to and from work. So when I was nervous driving, it just I don't know I didn't get to have like my cool relaxing driving time so once I learned the layout and got comfortable I was able to chill I don't know if other people might find that relatable but like get to know the place where you're living get to know where things are get to know the layout of the roads get comfortable actually driving and getting yourself from place to place because if you find yourself being Mm -hmm. nervous doing that every day you're going to be nervous to go to work you're going to be nervous to come home from work and then Like, finally, once I could get used to the driving and then, like, throw my music back on, I didn't need maps anymore and, like, got to chill again, the rest of my days got a lot easier. And I really didn't expect that. I didn't – like, I've driven in lots of new cities and been fine, so I didn't expect that to come over me for no reason, but it kind of did. And then once I got through that, again, it just kind of goes back to, like, it feeling more more at home. That's a good one. I think that's a good point because I think a lot of people don't think about that, like – residual stress when you do such a life-changing move and you work so hard for months or like a year or more for you it's going to be hard for your body to settle and get out of that constant stress mode so I think that that's a good lesson and a good takeaway for people is like be prepared for some residual stress and anxiety and you know you you may feel guilt this happened to me for sure I felt guilty that I felt like I was like why am I not as relaxed and happy as I thought I'd be as soon as we yes, yes I was still yes. stressed and I was guilty you're right I was like I moved us all the way over here I should be like stoked out of my mind. And why am I like not happy? I'm, I was, ha- I knew I, I was happy and grateful, but I was like, why is it not like manifesting in yes. how relaxed I am? So just, it's not your fault. It's that's residual stress from the move. I think that was a good point that you made. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I get that totally. Especially like I said, because we, like we were talking about, we just got hit with paperwork. And then once I got my job, yeah. it was like, okay, now we can move out. So then we have to go through the apartment process and like getting an apartment and gathering all that stuff so it really is it's kind of different than when you travel maybe when you're a teenager in college and you just get to land at this new place and you don't have responsibilities Mm -hmm. because you're traveling like for a trip so you get to land and be like wow this place is so cool my hotel's so cool this is so fun let's go shopping but when you go somewhere new as a grown-up as an adult when you move it's like okay here's like this paperwork we gotta do we're gonna find where we're gonna live we have to like but like you just have to sort out some of your grown-up stuff I think that feeling of getting stoked with where you live Mm -hmm. does come but it's just not as immediate as you think and I think that's a really good point to make that you might not be prepared for especially I feel like if you're someone single or maybe married moving to a new place but like looking for that fresh start and you're like oh I'm gonna move to this cool new town that will come but your first few days might just have to be practical like where am I gonna stay what am I gonna do and that feeling might not come to later so no I'm I'm glad your experience was similar because you don't want to sound ungrateful but you just like you just have life stuff to handle Right. And that was my fear. I felt like I was sounding ungrateful. And even Chad was kind of like, 
why aren't you like super happy and relaxed on like day two? And I was like, listen, <laughs> you'll hear my, my story too later. But anyways. Yeah. Well, I, this is my last point and then we can kind of like go over to Beth's story, but my last like main lesson, this one's more obvious than the other ones I've shared, but if you're going to move countries, you're going to experience culture shock. <laughs> and yeah. I'm still, I've known Chris for what, five years now? Two years living in Canada, I'm still finding little differences between the can between Canada and the US that are always like fun to find, like differences in slang, differences in culture, whatever. And that's Canadian culture is very similar to US culture. Nobody freak out at me for saying that. I'm just saying it's different than if you're gonna move to like Asia or Europe or yeah. somewhere like Australia where there's much more harsher cultural differences. Canada and the US are pretty similar. So an international right. move of any type will definitely bring out some culture shock. But uh, ironically, I'll probably touch more on this um, after Beth gets to share her story a bit and just some funny like culture shock stories. But I actually experienced more culture shock now when I returned to the U.S. Interesting. Chris and I just went down there later and the stores are so different. They're so much bigger. There's so many more options. Like if I just want to get my culture shock out of the way, I go to American Walmart and just look at all the stuff. Because there's, oh there's like literally more options because the FDA regulations are different. So there's just more things, like more flavors Yikes. of things, more scents of things. So like we just go to Walmart for fun just to like be shocked and like get it all out of the way just because I've gotten so used to like the more minimal options up here. But oh anyway, God. yeah, wherever you move, be prepared for culture shock. And like I said, between Canada and US, there's still stuff I'm finding that's different. So if you move to a very different country, be prepared to maybe be shocked for kind of a while but it can be really fun like don't be afraid yeah. to just sit and embrace it either yeah those are some of my main lessons I have a couple other like fun little points and funny stories but I want to hear more of Beth's moving story too so Beth why don't you like tell us a bit about moving states because I just okay. do moving countries and you've got moving states so let's right do that. <laughs> exactly no I loved hearing your experience definitely unique for sure and you don't get the chance to talk to a lot of people who just like move countries especially yeah so our let's see so ours technically it was actually overseas because like Hawaii moving to Hawaii because it's overseas is different than like That's other true. states so if we moved to like Missouri or something it would be very much different than this and a lot of it is in like the paperwork and the actual moving of your stuff and getting there is very different um, right. So yeah, this is, I would say more so like an overseas move. But anyways, pre-moving, I would say was probably one of the most stressful parts, if not the most stressful part. It's hard to remember because so much happened, kind of like what you were saying in like a short amount of time where it's just like, I was overwhelmed constantly that we're like remembering it is a little bit dicey but <laughs> same same no I'm like I don't remember how I even made it happen like I know I did but no I understand Legit. you fully you're like this I happened I you know <laughs> I know I just remember being really stressed and being like there's no way this is gonna work and then it worked so but anyways <laughs> yeah like and part of this like very similar to an experience you were talking about with like changing your information so here for us it was this we couldn't move until Chad got a job over there and unlike a job in a state like another state, you can't just be like, oh yeah, like I'll start working like in Nevada. I could potentially drive there. They need like proof that you live there in Hawaii to get a job in Hawaii. Cause it's, you can't, what are you going to do? Hop on a plane for work? Like it's very different. So right. we couldn't move until Chad got a job over there, but it's hard to get a job when you live overseas. And so the job wanted to see an approved home for us, but we couldn't get a home until we had Chad's job. And it yes. was so, yeah. <sighs> so it was just, yeah. Yeah. It was this impossible dance and in the end, I think, like I said, I don't really remember exactly, but it was weeks of figuring that out, lots of tears, and it just took some really good communication and like some finagling to get a home approved for us. And then we could start like moving with that. 
And I'm not going to lie. I don't have any advice for that part. I think that was literally God. Like, yeah, yeah, it just happened. It was a lot of hard, hard work and just being like, there. we don't take no for an answer. Like, we just try to make it happen. And then the pieces just fell into place. Thank God. And yeah. So we were also in a very short time period because once he did get a job, this was another thing. Once he got a job offer, we had to be there within a matter of days. And this wasn't something where we could be like, oh, we're going to go there and then drive back and forth to like move our stuff. No, it was like you were there fully within a certain time frame. So that was like, yeah, yeah, typically something that takes like months and months we had put in a very short time period. Anyways, so because Chad was still working full time when it came to like packing everything up, this is still, I guess, kind of pre-move, but I guess during the move because whatever, but packing, the packing part is what I'm going to talk about. Um, Chad was still working full time, so the packing was left up to me. And this was pretty overwhelming because I couldn't figure out what to like take and leave. Like I knew in my mind what I wanted to take and leave, but we had to fit everything on like a five foot by five foot square pallet. We had to put oh every, we had to fit gosh. everything on that. And it had to, we had to have specific calculations of like how high it was, how wide it was, and how heavy everything was because the shipping company went by like cubic measurements or like charged you by cubic measurements. And oh I was like, gosh. are you kidding? Something so confusing. I didn't really understand it, but like I was just trying to do like one step at a time of what I saw in the paperwork. But yeah, it was more complicated than I ever imagined. Yeah. I, I even at one point, I, to get the measurements right, I took tape and taped a square, five foot by five foot square on our kitchen floor so that I could like run boxes up and down from like the room to like pack and like measure it all um to get to fit exactly and it all had to be wrapped a certain way oh no please math exactly well and the thing too is like everything had to be wrapped in a certain way or else it wouldn't be approved when you went to the dock and like also again you can't make mistakes because if you show up you have your plane ticket you're going to leave the next day or that day you show up all of your stuff that you own to the dock and they don't approve it you're screwed like you can't just be like oh let me go try again it's like everything's within two days. Like you have to figure all this out and then everything happens within a matter of hours. Anyways. So also to get the shipping. Oh, Oh it's ridiculous. Well, and to get, (laughs) just to even make the decision of how to ship stuff over was kind of frustrating because we originally thought you could just pack your car with stuff. Cause this, I've had friends who've moved overseas before. And one of them said she just packed stuff in her car and then shipped her car over. And I was like, easy peasy, let's go. And then found out you can't do that anymore nowadays so Mm. we had to call different shipping companies to get quotes because a lot of shipping companies like they will either ship like an entire house or they're ship stuff for companies so it's hard to find a place that will for a reasonable price just ship like a pallet of stuff you know and so we we finally figured that out and it was a little bit difficult and it was charged i guess if to be transparent with numbers they charge us about a thousand dollars to ship over that tiny square pallet of stuff and it just felt like way overcharged but whatever it is what it is. And the less stuff we brought over, the cheaper it was supposed to be. But at the end of the day, I think we got overcharged. And just because we didn't understand it, kind of taken advantage of. But whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. So speaking of the car, that was a completely different thing too. We had to use a completely different shipping company altogether for our car for price reasons. And that cost literally thousands of dollars. And we had to oh drop gosh. it off. Yeah. We had to drop it off like the day before. It had to have – so we – we had just bought this car months before. Like it was a brand new car for us. Still super in debt for it. So nerve wracking for that. It had to have like not one thing wrong with it. It had to be, it had to have, this was so interesting. So we lived hours away from the pier. We had to drop it off, right? It had to have less than a quarter tank of gas in it when you dropped it off. Less than, couldn't have more. And we were like, how do we drive? So we had to figure out our drive or else they wouldn't accept it. So we had to figure out how to time our two and a half hour drive over there to where we would end up with less than a quarter tank of gas without running out of gas. 
And then when we dropped it off, it couldn't have anything wrong with it. It couldn't have any cracked windshield. It couldn't have any lights on. We Our check engine light came on randomly in the car <gasps> two days before we had to drop it off. So we had to like find someone, just turn the light off for us and like pray that it didn't turn on on the way over there. It was just like, how are this made little things going wrong, you know? And it was like that a new car too. so, so. specific. So, I, I, I understand. Uh, like I understand there has to be standards, but that seems yeah. so – Specific. What like what if because I I know the drive that you're talking about to like get yeah. to the coast from where we live. What if somebody hits you with a pebble and cracks your windshield? Like oh That's my what god! I'm saying. All these things that were just holy cow! If something goes wrong here, we're screwed. That was what the constant. That's what I'm saying. Like when you talked about the residual anxiety, like it's because of stuff like this. It's because for weeks yeah. or months, your body is just constantly like oh my oh, gosh, shit. oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Anyways, so that oh, is yeah, a the whole thing, but. Oh, yeah. The two weeks leading up to me flying up there again because it was during COVID. And actually, like, I won't get into this much because it's just COVID stuff. And I like to forget (laughs) that that was ever a time. But there was a possibility they weren't going to let me cross the border. And be able to cross, I had to have proof of Chris and I's marriage. I had to have proof that he was a Canadian citizen. And I actually printed out, oh, and, and Canada was doing their hotel quarantine thing. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was super not about participating in going and staying somewhere two weeks, paying for it without my husband there. So we actually flew into a different province for that reason. Smart. But I still didn't know if that was going to be possible. And yeah, so anyway, like I thought at any point they were going to turn me away from traveling. And then we landed. Then I had to get COVID tested and like all these things. And Chris was sitting there waiting to pick me up. I haven't seen him in like three months. He was sitting there waiting to pick me up, but I had to like get tested and fill out this form telling him where I was staying and saying that it was okay for them to check like where I was and blah, blah, blah. Like, when I finally got to go see him, I was like, we need to haul. Anyway, sorry, not to interrupt, but, like, just, like, it was so – I was stressed for, like, the two weeks leading up to it and just praying so much and actually listening to sermons about, like, anxiety and stuff and asking for prayer because I was, like, so Mm -hmm. scared something was going to go wrong, which, praise the Lord, nothing did. Like, it actually all went super smooth. Everything was fine. And same for you. Like, it all happened, but I totally – get it the weeks leading up to it it's like oh move to hawaii but especially hawaii like you're shipping stuff over the ocean like oh yeah. my gosh yeah so nervous. well and that was i remember that with you too like the weeks leading up to it like especially with covid going on there was so much of in like all this work you were doing it could be messed up by one thing and you could yeah. it just could all be like shut down so i remember that definitely lots of prayer was going on for that um yeah and like you were saying too that with this moving everything over the ocean that was the next thing i was going to say is like just very scary having everything you own like your most important stuff and like an investment into a brand new car that you just made over the ocean that you still are like super in debt to that was scary and so the thing with shipping stuff to hawaii is it takes like months sometimes so we were estimating it could take up to like three months for our car to arrive that scared the crap out of us because we're like we know like what <laughs> we yeah we literally need that yeah yeah but luckily they said the most realistic is actually to be about a month and it did end up being about like a month I'd say until our stuff and our car arrived and somehow magically they arrived like right within a couple days from each other which was super nice but yeah very nerve-wracking to have all that just floating in the ocean for weeks and something could go wrong and we just wouldn't have our stuff anyway so yeah so many small details and like little stressors but um when it came to getting housing There was lots of paperwork with that. That's one thing I remember very strongly. So much paperwork on top of paperwork we had to do for that. 
similar thing with the kind of running around in circles I was talking about before. Um, and I think I had to redo our application like three times for that because just stuff we oh. didn't expect. Yeah. Just lots of little things. And the, there was some applications that we needed to submit to the government or something. It was so weird. So also when you were talking about COVID, it reminded me we did move kind of towards the end of COVID. So it wasn't like as crazy, but we had to get COVID tested before we could fly. So it was also a little nerve wracking to be like, what if our test came back positive and we can't fly and yeah. all that jazz. Oh. So there's also that. Yeah. And also like, yeah, all the virtual, so many virtual tours, like for our home, we had to do like virtual tours, phone calls, constant with that Mm -hmm. and just scary not being able to see it before you get there and all that jazz. Once we got here, very much a hit the ground running kind of thing. We had to set up our home, unpack what we did bring, you know, go out and buy supplies that we needed. We had buy a couch, buy a bed, bed frame, all that stuff that we didn't have shipping to us. We had to set up our, yeah. Oh, exactly. Had to set up internet, had to set up Wi-Fi. We had to set up our electricity, all that stuff. And we had to do it within two days because Chad's job that he had gotten started. So we flew in on actually Valentine's day. Fun fact. We flew on Valentine's day and he started work two days later at a brand, like started work. So we, in fact, it might've been one day. I can't remember at this point if it was the day we landed. Actually, I think it was the day we landed. We had the rest of that day. And then one day it was, it was one day. We had one day and then he started work that next day after that. Right. So it was crazy. So, so we had one to do day to like get one day together. to have oh his help. Gosh. Right. To have his help with anything. So anything I needed help with, I had to have his help. And another thing we had to do was like learn how to live with one car because, you know, we were waiting for our car to be shipped and we, yeah, just one car. And we actually still only live with one car. And that was kind of interesting learning to drive him to and from work every single day. Like that was a very big life adjustment, but we actually enjoy that now. We still do that. And it's actually one of our favorite parts of the day getting to spend that time with each other. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyways, but like I said, as according to the car, we didn't have our car because we had to wait for it to ship, but we couldn't afford a rental car for a month plus. So we did Turo. And for anyone who knows Turo, love it. Amazing. If you come to Hawaii and you're not using Turo, what are you doing? We use it on and off. And if you know about Turo, that was very like hassle to have to go back and forth with it. But we ended up becoming good friends with our Turo owner. We got a good deal. And little fun side story, just really quickly. We ended up driving a car for like a week that had a steering wheel on the other side of it. Like I don't know if you're ever oh, like – Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a right-hand drive? Yeah. Yeah. That was very, very – I did not like it. That was terrifying for me. Chad loved it. But yeah, that was that was interesting. Interesting experience. Oh, Chris, Chris has a dream car. Okay. Mm-hmm. Other off-topic story, but one of the first cars we bought up here – I actually talk about buying our car a little later, but we oh, yeah. were looking for a car to buy up here, and the first one we looked at was a Honda Accord imported from Japan and no also way. would have been a right-hand drive. <gasps> For that reason. And Chris was so down for it. But it also would have been a stick shift. And I'm a loser. And I don't know how to drive stick shift. So, um, and I was like, I'm not driving. I've driven right-hand drive before in Australia. Which everything, the roads are set up that way. Like you drive on the left side. So it makes more sense. But driving right-hand drive on the right side of the road. I was like, I'm already terrified to drive in the city. We're not doing it. But now his other dream car is an Japan imported one that would be right-hand drive. So he still has what oh boys, goodness. boys in their what right-hand drive. Apparently. They just want to make it difficult. They're like, driving isn't hard enough. Let's make it worse. Like, I like driving. But yeah. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the first one you ha- had to drive, was that? Yeah. No, that was – luckily, it was like – it was at the end of our time having to rent a car. But it was like – and it was old tune. It was like – felt like it was going to break apart at any point. And it had like the smell of gas in it. I was like, are we being poisoned? Like we had a headache every time we drove it. So not fun. Chad loved every minute of it. But I was like, please, no. That's so funny. Anyways. But that's just a small side funny story. But yeah, there were so many other small details that just kind of like kick you in the face and make you like – like we are saying, constantly stressed and worried. And as soon as you think you're done, nope. <laughs> There's another thing we have to do. And 
And one of those things was there are no mainland banks on the island. Like there's no Bank of America. There's no Wells Fargo. There's nothing like that. You have to on all of Hawaii. Yeah. So we also had to change banks and switch everything over. So we have Bank of Hawaii now. And so that was another thing that was kind of hard too, because when we had to pay for little things before we switched our bank over, it was like, there's no way to, you can't just go to an ATM. There was nothing, there were no banks for us. And it was also, you know how on the mainland, if you go to like a bank and you put your like Wells Fargo card into like a bank of America, it'll charge you, but you can still pull out cash. You can't Mm -hmm. do that here. Like we couldn't do that. So there were some, I think there was, we do like money orders or something at Walmart, which is what we had to do for like deposits of stuff. We had to go to Walmart and order like a money order. So we had to switch our banks over and that was a little bit of a hassle, but not too bad actually for us, for changing our banks. Right. And then oh, that's, that's crazy. Cause you can even, yeah. even internationally, like when I was in New Zealand, I could use my Bank of America card and like Mm-mm. pull out money. It charged, it tar- charged me dearly for it, but I could do it. But that's, yeah, yeah. but that's interesting. We can use, yeah, we could use our cards obviously all you want here, but you can't just like go to use ATMs from what we were discovering with ours. But, and then also I'd say, yeah, the last big thing that was crazy and stressful, but, but at this point it was like, please, what's hard after you? done all this yeah was just I had to switch my business over similar to you had to switch it all over to Hawaii so I basically got re-registered as an LLC in Hawaii and had to do all the paperwork for that and the tax stuff for that luckily Chad took care of that for those of you who are listening Chad's you know my husband's an accountant so he took care of that for me but (laughs) love it no love it (laughs) the taxes part yeah once we got our car to the registration for that and we had to get our new driver's licenses as well within like 15 days of when we moved here and and all that stuff so just those things anyways but yeah, that, that was almost like sounds experience. like more complicated than my move. No, oh my I gosh. So. <laughs> well, I mean, like minus the immigration. I was going to say like, immigration makes it way worse. Yeah, but that's still so much state to state because I think you're right. Like, I mean, I haven't moved states. My only move has been to Canada. So someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you can just like kind of go over there and like you can yeah. do, you still have to do all this stuff, like get a new license, but there's not really a time limit. It's just a good idea so. to do so. Right. So well, that I you can there's... be a resident like on paperwork of that state, but yeah. still like. I'm pretty sure other states are way less complicated too, because even with stuff like the banks, like if you move from like California to Idaho, like you don't have to switch your bank and stuff like that. Like there's just so many different things with this because it is so far apart. Cause you know, Hawaii is, I guess Hawaii is the most remote Island set in the whole world. Like it's the most remote set up chain of islands in the whole world and so really? there's yeah and so it's very much like set apart even though it is a state most people say they that it should be more like a u.s territory because it is just so different right but that's a whole conversation for another time anyways right oh that's crazy and then i found like after that so that was like the general like our moves in the first couple yes. like days and weeks like before and after and then like I said, I'm still like learning the lessons that come with that. I, mm-hmm. Beth, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I found like the next thing after that was found it hard to make new friends, yeah, <laughs> especially because like I was just talking to a coworker about this the other day. It's a lot harder to make friends as an adult because when you're a kid, you can yeah. just go up to another kid and be like, do you want to be my friend? And then you're just like, what friends. We did. Yeah, right? Exactly. But then as adults, it's like a little different. And I'm pretty introverted. I like being at home alone anyway. So I like really have to try to get out there and meet new people. I haven't done it yet. (laughs) But like, that's why I try to have some kind of part time day job alongside my business because my business keeps me at home by myself. So I like to have some kind of 
one to two day a week day job I can go to just to be around other people. And then we switched gyms a couple months back and our gym like runs classes, Pilates and like even dance and stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if I should do something like that to like continue to meet people. But that's like the next thing, I guess, like a lesson I learned that is definitely tangible advice to pass on to others is like, it might be a little hard to make new friends and you might have to really make yourself go do things to meet new people because you don't have your same circles. Like church work home that you would have had if you grew up in the same town so something I was sort of prepared for but just like living it out looked a lot different than I think what I thought it was going to be yeah I agree I think for me it was like a little bit different as well because for me when I moved away from home to go to college I was worried I wouldn't be able to make as many friends because I'm also I'm just very shy too and I guess an introvert as well but I just I have a hard time making friends because I just don't like talking to people because I'm like, no, they're going to hate me. But in college, you have like classes and stuff that's like forcing you to meet people. And so here definitely learn. I learned there was a lot of intentionality that has to go behind. Okay, you have to join groups and go do stuff. And like if you meet someone, you have to make sure you're messaging them a lot to like secure the friendship. That was something that I was like trying to work on. Mm. I agree. Similar experience I'd say to you with that. Yeah. No, that's what I'm not good at. I'll just like (laughs) – Because, like, after a while of, like, setting up times to secure the friendship, I'll just kind of stop and, like, see if they do it back. But I know that's probably not good because I'm, like, I should just keep sewing into it. But Well, I think that's so – like, it's hard if you're – if it takes so – at a certain point, it shouldn't take too much effort. And also sometimes those friendships were, like, are, like, great, but they fizzle out anyways, so – yeah well I was also lucky too to where I became really good friends with Chris's friends so it's some of his like male friends and then he's got a couple married friends so then there's like other girls in the group which is nice so that just worked out really well that like we all got along so I do like I do see people (laughs) for sure but like I was lucky to just kind of like find my circle immediately and then it's a matter of like if you want to if you want to branch out of that but again I get if somebody's moving states maybe solo or the couple together is moving to a new state like you guys it might look might look a little different but yeah yeah but yeah Chad Chad made work for it was gonna say sorry I was gonna say well it's always easy for Chad too because he's just not shy so he's made work friends and like he goes to basketball every week and so he has basketball friends and then there is a he had one of they do it how do they go make new friends I don't don't know (laughs) you want to know what's unfair listen to this my friend I have a really good friend who lives on the big island one of my like best friends here on the big island she doesn't live on this one she lives on the big island like I just said but her boyfriend lives on this island and her boyfriend and Chad met through us and they're like best friends now and it's like so unfair they see each other every single week they go play basketball together and they like go and do other and I'm just like they and see you each other more than Hannah and I. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. More than – it's funny. Well, and I guess going into friendships too, this is a point I had later, but basically like if you want to keep your friendships from where you moved from, from your hometown, it just got a lot more real. You have to prioritize those friendships and kind of like different than my last point, but like don't – if it's a friendship worth keeping, don't wait for people to reach out to you. Continue to nurture yeah. the friendships because – Honestly, you're the one that up and moved away. And especially yeah. like me moving so far away, I do not expect anyone from my hometown to come visit me. Like it's not cheap to get up here. Like all these things. I understand if you move like a couple hours away from your hometown, I feel like there should be some give and take with like you maintaining yeah. your friendships. But if you're the one who exactly. up and moved kind of far away and you, there's friendships back home that you want to keep, mm-hmm. you have to like Beth and I, before we started this podcast, we went a couple months or I don't know, probably like the first year that I was up here where we we texted a little but we didn't talk and then we 
we would finally FaceTime and realize we had like hours worth of updates to share and we'd yeah. missed out on so much of each other's lives. We were like, hey, we're going to start doing this once a month. We're putting it on our calendar. Yeah. Even if we have to change the day a little bit when that month like arrives, we're still yeah. calling each other once a month. We are exactly. like, we're not letting so much time go by because we were just, we missed huge chunks of like what each other might've been like going through. And then from there, we like got the idea for the podcast and so now we can talk a lot more. But like, I've, I take that really seriously. And there's a few friendships that kind of have fizzled and not necessarily in a bad way. I just think, you know, that happens in life and it's yeah. okay. But the ones that are like important to me, even if we don't call every month, I still, I still text or like any important updates going on one of my other best friends uh had a baby at the beginning of the year and just her whole pregnancy I was like tell me about your appointments tell me about this like I want to hear about the things you're going through so I don't miss anything so I think you just have to be prepared for your friendships worth keeping to like really put some effort into it and for me it's easy for me to get bitter and feel like things are one-sided but it's it's not that I'm the one that up and moved away so like I should be the one to put some effort into maintaining it and then of course when I visit I'm like hey what are you up to I want to see you and taking a couple hours to like sit and catch up becomes really really important or else you're gonna lose everybody that you probably grew up with and you don't want that to happen so and a good reminder for yourself is to remember that the the nature of those friendships, what they look like will change and that's okay. Because I think that's where our discouragement lies. It's like, oh man, this is this friendship is getting lost because it doesn't look the same. So just, yeah, being able to remind yeah. ourselves that ah, they're going to look different, but the way you feel in, in your hearts will probably still be the same. And when you're back together again, it'll be okay, whenever that may be. Moving on. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I guess with that, something I wasn't prepared for was actually homesickness and this Mm -hmm. might sound weird for people who know me because I've never been one to get homesick like I spent Mm -hmm. a couple years before I moved away traveling and traveling for big chunks at a time like I'd be gone for three months six months at a time and I just never really felt homesick like I was stoked to get out of my small town and like start traveling (laughs) when that time came I love where I grew up now that I've been away for a while but at the time I was yeah how old was I 20 when I first left for my first like six month trip and I was like, bye to my small town. And like, yeah. And the time came to come back and I did not, I was, that was when I was in New Zealand and oh my gosh, you had to like pry that country out of my cold bed hands. Like I did not want to leave so badly, but it's okay. You know, happened all good, but like did not feel an ounce. Like I missed my family and I missed my dogs, but did not feel any homesickness. And that's just kind of always how it's been every time I visited Canada when I was in Australia, like no homesickness. But something about moving and knowing that not knowing when I'm going back. Because when you leave Mm -hmm. for a trip, you're coming back at some point. But when you move and then again with the borders being the way they've been the last couple of years, like this last trip that I was home, it was Chris's first time seeing my family in like three years. You just, there's less of a certainty of when you're going yeah. to go back and you're permanently, or, you know, at least for this season of your life away. And so that kind of made homesickness a little bit more real because I, I didn't have like, oh, well, I'll be back in two months. It, it's kind of different. And it's okay to feel that. Like, it's okay to feel that. And that's also a big part of nurturing your friendships from back home is you get yep. to hear what's going on. You get to hear about them kind of like still feel like you're there a bit, but it's funny. Like I'll yeah. feel homesick and then I'll go home and visit. And then after two weeks, I'm like, oh yeah, this town's still the same. You know, it kind of goes away. So very it's true. not like as serious as you think it's going to be like missing right. your family is a very real thing that right, honestly just comes with the territory. Like I yeah. don't really have advice for that. Like that's why sometimes if I hear about like an international couple or marriage, another piece of advice I have is like, be prepared. One of you is going to spend a lot of time homesick because you're going to move to where the other person's from. 
And that's just the reality. One of you is going to be missing your family a lot. Unless both of you just move oh, somewhere true. completely new. there's And there's not really advice for that. It just kind of comes with it. That like That's just something to be prepared for is you might spend a lot of time missing your family. You or your spouse will be going through that. And, and that's yeah. just kind of how it is. And maybe you time to go back and forth and do trips but travel is hard and not everyone can do it that often so that's just kind of part of it but yeah that's such a good point I think that's very very good gentle advice I agree I for me at least emotion wise I I didn't really get very homesick but that's just I don't know this for me I think it was it's a different kind of move first of all I think it's easier for me to go back and forth the tickets are much less expensive it's a much shorter flight so that's I think one of the big reasons but also this is very much home to me. It has been. I've My entire life plan has always been that I was going to move here. So it felt more like I was fighting to come home for this. Yeah. So I, I never missed anything about California. you moved to like the coolest place in the world. <laughs> There's also that, not going to lie, hard to be homesick when, you're, you, when your home is pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I just, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have to deal with that, I guess, luckily. The hardest part for it was probably that like my brother and sister-in-law were having a baby like right after I moved around the same time that we were moving. Right. So sad. I did have to miss out on that. And he's so cute. He's like, oh, he he's the cutest little kid right now. And I just he's so cute. That. Oh my gosh. He's yeah. So oh my gosh. I just I can't I don't want to bother them and I don't want to be like demanding content, but I'm also like, where are the updates? Send me more videos. Send me 20 videos a day. I will look yeah. through and so that's hard. So I, I understand that that's hard. So you if know, there's and kids I, or nieces and nephews, that right. is so hard because they grow so much. Like you mm-hmm. might not see them for a couple months, and they just grow right. and change so much. And no, and I don't want to be the aunt yeah. that's like gone and because when you're gone, it can look like you don't care. Even though I think my family knows that I do, but yeah. there, yeah. So there's that. That was hard. I I don't. I think because I spent so many years away at like college and stuff, I I don't really experience a lot of like missing people. I think that's for me, true. it's just like there's it's a different concept in my mind I'm not Chad deals with that more than me Chad does miss family more than I do I think Mm -hmm. um just because he even when we were at college he was coming home like almost every single weekend and like he spent a lot of time over there like on the holidays he would go and see family and just yeah so he's more of a connected family person I think than I am but anyway so either way so interesting we have different kind of experiences with that yeah well and I and I wasn't prepared for it that's the thing like I like I said like I never felt that during travel or anything so I kind of thought it was going to carry and it took some time for sure I think the end of oh I think when holidays I think my first Christmas up here because I moved in August when Christmas came around that was my first Christmas away despite all my travel and stuff I was always home for Christmas it's like one of my favorite holidays that is the one where I like I I decorate and I love the Christmas music like I just love all of that stuff so that was that was the first time it kind of hit but luckily I'm super blessed that like Chris's family has also become my family and like they really welcomed me in and we all get along I I think I would cry if I like didn't have a good set of in-laws like if we just didn't see them or didn't get along because then um for holidays and like my birthday and stuff like we we go see them for all of those holidays so it's nice to like have some family it would be really ideal for all of our families to just be together because my family and Chris's family get along really well but we just live so far away so that's like what would be perfect but for now having like family around really helps I think if it was just Chris and I for all those holidays like if we didn't talk to his family or something I'd I'd be way more bummed out but not like they replace mom and dad mom dad if you're listening you're not replaced I'm just saying (laughs) Like I love you. I promise. I'm just, I'm just saying it makes things makes things easier. But it would be vice no, versa sure. if we were living in my hometown with Chris. Like 
we'd be seeing my family the same amount and I'm sure that would help him. So exactly. I, I agree. I think that that's a very good point for sure. Um, and that was actually kind of on the same note. The one thing that I did like emotionally that was maybe more difficult for me was with friends. I have a very small friend group. And so having our moves, you and I, Ayla, be around the same time was a little bit hard for me. I did have a little bit of a hard time with that because knowing that we'd be even further apart and after yeah. having gone through a spell where you and I went so long without seeing each other and then finally we were close together again. And then, so that was probably one of the hardest emotional parts to me when it came to like yeah. m- me missing other people. Just I think because, I moved you know. away first. Like you were still you did, home you for did. a while. Mm-hmm. Oh. I was. Oh, yeah. I remember that because we, we got to spend that last summer like yeah. together just like finally after all these years. Mm-hmm. And then I remember like the days leading up before I moved, I think you swung by and we had like our final like little hangout. We made, we got snacks, we watched movies, we, we actually worked. We like had like a work yeah. date, but like we did all that. And then it was time for you to leave and you were like, we're not talking about it. We're not saying any, like we're not saying I, any yeah. of the things like you're like, so I'm just going to gonna leave like we're not yeah. yeah oh my gosh but which again is why the podcast but like even if we didn't have that why talking to you monthly would be so important because yeah that that was rough that was a much less surprisingly fun. rough I would say yeah but yeah, anyway. definitely prepare for that if you're getting ready to move like it's okay to feel sad about the stuff you have to leave behind mm-hmm. oh that's a good one like it's okay to be excited for what you have coming up you should be excited about your new move but if you're sad to leave your friends or your job or something it's okay to feel mm-hmm. sad like you don't have to feel right. bad because some people might say like oh you should be excited and happy all the time about this new thing but there it's bittersweet and there's like a yeah. lot of feelings that come with it and it's all yeah. it's all okay so and you may be surprised about what it is that makes you sad and just if that's what your body's gonna miss that's totally okay if that's what your brain is gonna be the most connected to like oh I didn't know I would be missing this place or this person so much that's okay yeah just, just yeah. roll with it give yourself grace Anyways. it's been really fun though as I've kind of settled into this and Beth you probably get it too to like really become a part of the culture like it, <laughs> it might sound obvious on podcast anyone who knows me probably gets this that my my actual accents changed a lot since I moved here oh and like yeah. living in Canada you and you're 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 saying words wrong I know I well I don't there okay so one of the points I had in this was like definitely like if you're moving internationally but also state to state like if you were to move from yeah California to say the midwest Mm -hmm. you're gonna be in a different culture let yourself kind of just become a part of that culture I used to think that I couldn't get excited about certain Canadian things or say Canadian stuff because I didn't grow up here I didn't whatever but if you like just embrace the culture everyone around you should be pretty pretty stoked about it that you're you saying the same that. thing so like say yeah. say the new phrases say the new slang make the same jokes like you live in a new country like let yourself really just like embrace that especially the times that when I was um living in New Zealand and Australia like I used to fight saying some of the slang but I actually found that it was just easier to go with it with it so I called the trash rubbish for a while because if you just mm-hmm. call it trash everyone's like oh you American you call Maybe it something different yeah, so I just more- like drama yeah yeah so I would just be like oh can you throw this in the bin can you throw this in the rubbish like I just kind of let myself learn what's said in the new place I am and just let it become that there's some things I can't give into though like Canada has the letter Z instead of the letter Z sorry I'm never calling it Z it's no okay yeah so it's like x it's like xyz and they call it Z instead of Z and Chris agrees with me on this one that it's Z so you know no one come for me so there's like little things like that where I'm like no sorry but like generally it's been fun to like let myself become part of the culture do you want to hear a funny story it's the one and only fight Chris and I have ever had and it's about the Canada America differences so okay okay. oh this (laughs) it was whatever it is I'm on your side 
<laughs> well, okay. So he was in California uh, around Christmas time. We had just, let's see, when was this? When was the timeline? We'd been married just about a year and he flew down for our year anniversary in November and he stayed through Christmas. Right. I remember that. Um, so he's down. We, we lived in an apartment attached to my parents' house at the time. We go to make some dinner and we're like trying to figure out what to do for dinner. And Chris is like, oh, well, like, let's just make craft dinner. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you have some. I thought he meant, okay, Canadians know what I'm talking about. I thought he meant hamburger helper. He was like, let's just make some craft dinner. You have some boxes of it. And I knew I didn't have hamburger helper. And I was like, no, I don't. And he was like, yeah, you do. You have like a bulk box of mini boxes. And I was like, I don't have any of that. And he was like, you have craft dinner. It's up in your cupboard. And I was like, no, I literally don't. Like, what do you mean? And he was like, I saw it because he had cleaned the house earlier. Like I was gone at work and he cleaned. So he like organized it and put it away. Craft dinner is mac and cheese. Shut up. And it's made by Kraft, like the company's Kraft with the K. Like it says that in the States, it's made by Kraft, but we just call it mac and cheese. We call it mac and cheese. Here in Canada, it's literally labeled Kraft dinner. And that's just what we don't call call it mac and cheese? Shut up. Like they know what you mean if you say mac and cheese, but people call it Kraft dinner. And that's what we call it now. Like if we want to buy any. So it's literally just mac and cheese, which I did have boxes of, but they just call it, right? And so he goes and he open he gets the box out and he points to it and he goes craft dinner and I was oh like and I was like oh mac and cheese yeah I have like eight boxes of that and he was like he was like that's what I've been saying and I was like what did you call it and he was like craft dinner and he points to the craft logo and he's like look at it and I was like it's just <laughs> mac and cheese <laughs> what did you tell him about hamburger helper yeah I was like I thought you meant hamburger helper he's like what what would I be talking about a hamburger helper. <laughs> Does he know what that is? Like, do they have that there? Yes, he doesn't know what that is. So, but he was like, it's not the same. So anyway, and there were lots of little things like that. That was the one that got the most heated for some reason. But like, you'll you'll find it for months and months and months if you move somewhere new. Just like little, little things. I think if you marry someone, I think if you marry somebody from a different country, especially because like Chad and I moving to a new place. Obviously, it's a not quite as much of a difference, but you know we moved together. So anything that we didn't understand, we both didn't understand or, you know, right. so yeah. So we learned things together. So that's funny that that happened. Right. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think there's not many that we'll still argue about, but like, oh, so what we know is a beanie, like a beanie, yeah. the soft the hat, hat that goes on your head in the winter, yeah. they call a toque. Oh, I switch my. and I call it, and it's spelled T-O-U-Q-U-E. So it's like two quick. What? Yeah. No. And so that's what it's called. Chris is pretty lenient. Like, I still call it a beanie most of the time. Sometimes I'll call it a toque, but like, I switch. But like, any other Canadian I've ever said beanie around, I'll be like, oh, like, I'm so excited. It's like beanie weather. And they're like, what? And I'm, I'm like, like a toque. And they're like, I've never heard it. And I'm like, you oh have my gosh. Like, I'm sure you, you have. have. <laughs> that's so funny. Is there any specific words where he was just like, I'm sorry, you must change how you say this? Like, because Apricot. it bothers him? Ap- I say apricot and it's apricot up here. It's not apricot say- though. Okay, good. I'm just, but I'm asking apricot. because now I want to try to find a way to bring it up in conversation and I want to say it the way he doesn't like there's, to bother him. Like- I'm going to do it. So now I'm going to say apricot. I'm going to say it oh, like Oh, and then apricot. any, a lot of things with A, it's like the car brand Ma- um, Mazda. It's Mazda up here, but I will stick to my guns that I call it Mazda. Mazda? And Chris what? will be like- Chris will so see he, a car and he'll be like, oh, like the Mazdas are really cool. And I'm like, a Mazda? And he's like, Mazda? Same with pasta and pasta. 
What? Pasta no. For me. He calls it pasta. No, he doesn't. Stop. He does. No. First of all, that's I, a crime. I don't even that's bother correcting him that's on it a anymore. Crime. But no, nope. I will. I'm gonna bother. He doesn't have a social media. I can't. I'm gonna give him a message. Look at him in the face. Don't give any introduction. Just say it's pasta when you see him next. From text Beth. me and I'll just show to- him the text and be like, Beth texted me for you. I'm gonna send you a voice. I'm gonna send you a voice message that says it's pasta. Okay. <laughs> and I used to tease him so much about it in the beginning. He'd be like, oh, like, yeah, we're grocery shopping. Oh, we should buy some pasta noodles. I'll be uh-huh. like, what did you just call it? And he's like, pasta. And I'm like, pasta. And he's like, pasta. And so we've long, we've had the. You've had that. It's long gone for you guys. I just, sorry. I just let it be. I am <laughs> experiencing the culture shock currently. So I'm running through the emotions. Don't mind me. I'm sorry. I so, understand yeah. all the other ones. I understand the other ones. I even like almond, almond, whatever people do. But sorry, pasta is pasta. The pasta, th- no, that's just not something. I'm not okay with that. Lava, lava, llama, no, llama. Like, I'm serious. Like, all the A's. What? Are- <laughs> so wait a second. Wait a second. Here's what's confusing me. Sorry. I just, real side note, quick side note. So it's like Mazda, not Mazda, but it's pasta. Those are opposite. Like, if you're going to have, like, hard A's, stick with the hard A's for everything, you know? That's, like, my know. thing. I don't know. They, like, yeah. you think if it was Mazda, it'd be apricot. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Forget it. Forget but it. But it's still apricot. Yeah. Because apricot. Yeah, apricot. It's, like, Mazda. I forget. Apricot. Apricot. Maze. I don't yeah. know. Forget it. Forget it. I think apricot's the only weird one. And honestly, like, I'll... Only weird one. Because, like, I work in customer service and we do pastries and sometimes there's apricot-flavored ones. I just say apricot to the customers yeah, to course. just avoid... Confrontation. You might get spit on. Like, you better be careful. Some people really take their word seriously. You better say it the but way yeah. they say it over there. Well, and same with... Um, they say pecan, and I've always said pecan. No, but actually, I don't no. know which one's correct. Pecan I say is correct for that one. No, pecan. Is pecan. Correct. Pecan. You, you do not say pecan again. You shut your mouth. That's horrible. Okay, what yeah. about? Um, so there's. Oh yeah. What's, isn't there another spice that people are like? Okay, what about coupon and coupon? Is that different over there? I know that's everyone just coupon. About you say coupon. It's coupon. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's <says> coupon. <laughs> I that might that could vary all over the states because I always it said does. coupon. I I understand. Yeah. I've heard it both ways too. So much, so it's okay. But I I go back and forth. Sometimes I'll say coupon, but I grew up saying coupon. Right. Whatever. No, I do remember that because I think I think I remember that between you and me probably. specifically. I was like, what? yeah, yeah. I think it but, probably was you. Yeah. Because there's so much within the states too, like yeah. the like the Midwest will probably say a lot of things like for coffee i always say americano but people say americano and that can be midwest oh, or like canada yeah. but americano. i'll just still say americano i'm like i can't come on i still got a hold some of myself <laughs> exactly can't completely change well first of all you never say pasta in the other way or i will have to have a serious no, conversation with you i won't don't you worry you start spelling but it is differently yeah. too though you you got in the habit of yeah. like you spell favorite and like colors I, I, mean, it's, I think it's favorite you spell with your u's now and stuff yeah, that's probably just habit. I used now. to, I used to not. I would roast people significantly for putting a U in random things like color, favorite, yeah. and like I don't know whatever other word, like the other ones that you exactly. would do that in, because because everyone does it. Like people in Europe do it, right. New Zealand, Australia, like any of the Commonwealth countries will do that. And I used to like I could not read it properly. If I saw color in my head, it went color like yeah. automatically. But actually, my computer that I have, I bought in Canada, so it's Canadian. So if I spell color without a U it'll correct it so interesting well there you go so you so, gotta yeah you so gotta now it's it. just habit like now i just write that way you yeah have no choice oh and check 
like a check oh. that you cash yeah is spelled with a with q, a q- yeah i actually spell that one's weird to me yeah. but that one uh my family for some reason there's a lot of members on my mom's side of the family who spelled like that so i got in the habit of like years ago i think of spelling it like that probably starting around college so sometimes if I'm in a hurry, I'll just spell check. Or if I'm sp- speaking to someone who I think won't recognize it that way, I'll put the effort into just right. um, C-H-E-C-K. But I spell it with a Q-U-E more often than oh, not. Oh, okay. Oddly enough. Oh, that's why. cool. It's a one word I think I spell weirdly. but <laughs> Well, and it's it's like, yeah, it's all the, the Commonwealth ones. And same with like the metric system too. Yeah. It's all metric up here, which is interesting. Like, People are measured in feet and inches, and Chris, he does carpentry, and a lot of his measuring is feet and inches, but then, Mm. like, everything else will be metric. So, like, oh, this was a thing with a boss I had um, at my first barista job, not the one I have now, but my first one. She needed me to pick up milk, and our milk comes in gallons, and up here... It still comes in ca- gallons, like okay. the gallon jugs. Contrary to popular belief, we do not have bagged milk. I know some places in Canada do, but we do not. I've never seen it <laughs> up huh. here. I think, um, like, Montreal and Ontario might have bagged milk, but, like, our milk's just... It just comes in a bag, and there's little Weird. pictures that you get specifically that you set the bag into. I've what? never seen it, but it, it exists, yeah. apparently. Because everyone will hear Canada, and they're like, oh, you're... you're milks in a bag and i'm like no it's not it's still just jugs but they're called a four liter jug they're not called a gallon of milk because four liters is is approximately a gallon right and the gallon jugs will say like four l on it for four liters Hmm. i I had a boss at a job call me and she was like hey can you pick up a four liter of milk before you come in and i thought she meant four liters because you can also get it in the smaller liter Oh my and so God. I saw that, but then there was also a jug, and I was like, do you want four liter? And she was like, oh, no, like a jug. So I grab it, and I was like, a gallon? And she was like, oh, you're so bare, can you call it a gallon? And I was like, but, oh, but, wow. but, it's, that's, that's what it is. That's so, so funny. Not everyone does it. Like, people understand yeah. what you mean when you say a gallon, but specifically barista here, it's a four liter jug of milk, which <laughs> Chris also told me he thought that was weird, and he also called it gallons, so it seems to be, like, just kind of random sometimes, depending on where you are. Like, if I was maybe in Ontario, which um, they speak a lot of French over there, right. uh, it has the capital city, they might be more confused if I were to say, like, a gallon of milk. They'd be like, it's liters, why are you talking in American? But yeah, anyway, it's ongoing. I find stuff all the time that I'm, like, clarifying with people, just little terms like that, like, at my jobs and stuff, like, little little things that you have to clarify so that might happen quite a bit when you move to get back on topic <laughs> when you oh, move no. somewhere new but yeah i love it i love talking about cultural differences i find them so fun and funny yeah i do too i think it's fun hearing the stories too especially when it's first-hand experiences you know i love that it's super fun well anyways thank you all so much for tuning in as we broke down i know we kind of started out talking about like our moves and maybe things that were unexpected the lessons we learned and then it was fun to just kind of like each go over the differences just in culture both in like hawaii and here and like Mm -hmm. and up here in canada and just kind of like talk about it but among all of that i really hope there were some relatable tips in there relatable stories anybody else who's ever moved or is thinking about it maybe you're like oh my gosh that was me i relate i just like i i hope this like struck a chord with you guys and yeah it was fun for us so i hope it was fun for you absolutely yeah super fun i had a great time just chatting 
And like we said at the beginning, if you have anything to add to what we shared here, we'd love to hear from you. You can always email us at artofintentionpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a message on Instagram at artofintentionpodcast. And definitely follow us there if you haven't already as we share resources and graphics and all different kinds of things for every episode. If you love the podcast, a great way to support us is by liking this episode and following us on whatever platform you listen on. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Zencaster. Mm-hmm. We leave links directly on our Instagram with each episode directly to Zencaster, so you can listen to us there. And just leaving us a review on any platform, it seriously helps us out so much. It tells the algorithm to push our podcast out to more people, so that is a great way to support us if you like what you've been listening to. We love getting to hang out with you all every Monday and we want to continue to keep doing it. So definitely do all those things and we're so stoked to do this again with you next week. Woohoo! Bye! Bye! Bye.